Hallelujah. Good evening. I welcome you to Victory Christian Fellowship. This is a place where we can inherit God's promises and experience their benefits. And tonight is Wednesday night refreshing. For God promises to pour out of His presence times of refreshing. Are you guys ready for some refreshing times? Yeah. Oh, Father, we're so grateful and thankful that we can gather here tonight, that we can be in your presence, and that we can just experience as you refresh us. Let your refreshing just pour over us, touch every area of life, and Lord, we give you all the glory and all the praise for your goodness. We bless you, Jesus. Have your way here tonight.
believe with all my heart that we are one day to come to God. with. 
And uh, this is a portion of scripture about something that a little boy did. He got something into Jesus' hands. And um, John chapter 6, verse 2, they, uh, they came to this place and a great multitude followed him. Remember say a great multitude. Because they saw his miracles, which he did, on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Verse 5. When Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw the great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? So Jesus was willing to feed everyone. He was willing to buy money. And uh, he said this to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. You know, God knows how to multiply your stuff. He knows what he's going to do when you get it into his hands. So Philip answered and said, uh, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? It's not about the little, it's about where they go to. It's about whose hands they get into. And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. You know, if you're going to be blessed, you've got to prepare to be blessed. This is expectation. He got them, he had them sit down, get them ready. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Everybody say 5,000. How many would like to feed 5,000? That's just the men, not including the women and children. So you're talking about 15,000 people showed up. And he's going to feed them all. So he's going to feed them all. You know, Jesus was not nervous at all about feeding them. Because he knew what he was going to do. So this little boy gave his five barley loaves and two small fish. And verse 11 says, Jesus took the loaves. He accepted the gift or the offering. And he had given thanks. And he distributed unto the disciples, and the disciples unto them that were set down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they would say, as much as they would. Oh, I'm telling you, when God's hands get on something, there's no limit to it. Verse 12, when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. So this little boy gave his lunch. He gave it to Jesus. Jesus then took the lunch. He thanked God for it. And he fed the people. And it multiplied between him thanking God and feeding them. Say, it doesn't take long to multiply. But you're saying, but I don't have fish and bread. No, but you have something that you can give to God. Amen? And... uh, I always want to give you something that the Bible says about why we should give. I mean, there's no pressure. and You can give any time during the service in the back, or if you're watching us, you can give online. If you make a check, make it out to BCF. You can send it in, bring it in, uh, do it online, however you want to do it. Amen? And uh, Father, I just thank you so much for these wonderful, awesome givers. Uh, Lord, it is my privilege to call them blessed. Lord, in the gifts that they give, Father... I I just thank you, Lord, that they're going into your kingdom and they're expanding your work all over the world in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, uh, I'd like for you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And we have been talking about three things that God, uh, He's interested in, He looks at, and He promotes. And they're called faith, hope, and love. First Thessalonians chapter 1, starting with verse 2, it says, We give thanks to God always. 
Are you an always thanker or are you a part-time thanker? For all of you, or for you all, depending on what part of the country you're from, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. A work of faith is worth remembering. Your labor of love, a labor of love is worth remembering. And patience of hope, patience of hope is worth remembering in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. And we have talked extensively about the work of faith and the labor of love. And tonight we're going to talk about the patience of hope. You know, you might look at the world and you might feel hopeless. But tonight you have an opportunity to turn hopelessness into overflowing hopeful. Amen. So we're going to fill your hope tanks tonight. You have come to the hope filling station. And we are going to chalk you full of hope until it bursts out the seams. So he says this, he remembered their patience of hope. Hallelujah. A patience of hope is a constancy which remains unconquered by trials and persecutions. It's a constancy that will cause a person to stand strong no matter what the enemy throws at you. Let him throw the kitchen sink. He couldn't hit you anywhere. God's your shield and your buckler. Let him take aim because his weapon's going to misfire. Because no weapon formed against you shall what? Doesn't mean he won't point it at you, but it's not going to prosper. It's going to be like when Bugs Bunny sticks his finger in Elmer Fudd's gun and it blows up in Elmer Fudd's face. They have a waspy rabbit. <laughs> So this patience of hope is a patient enduring. How many are, are prepared to endure? You know, Christianity is not a flash in the plan. It's, it's a long haul. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Amen? You've got to be constant. It is, it is remaining behind. It is a patient enduring, a steadfast, patient and waiting for. It means that when you choose to take a stand for Christ, nothing can knock you off that mark. You'll stand strong and you'll stand long. Patient endurance, steadfastness. To remain under the challenges that you face in life. You know, how many face challenges? How many face obstacles? Unknown things. You didn't prepare for it. They just showed up unannounced. The Amplified calls it unwavering hope. And the Passion Translation calls it unrelenting hope-filled patience. In Jesus. Unrelenting, hope-filled patience in Jesus. Do we got some people with some unrelenting, hope-filled faith? Yes. Amen? You're unrelenting. You're uncompromising. You don't compromise what God says. You don't compromise what He wrote in His Word. You don't compromise what you believe. Amen. Why? Because you have an unrelenting, I like that, an unrelenting, hope-filled patience. Go with me to Romans chapter 2. See, now this was something that he took notice of. He remembered three things. Their work of faith, the labor of love, and their patience of hope. And these three things, you know, they work together. These are three strengths that will work in your favor to help you overcome any challenge, any trouble, any trial, any test. Mm -hmm. 
God fully equipped you to win. Say, I'm a winner. Romans chapter 2 and verse 7. Verse 6, he says, Who will render it to every man according to his deeds. Verse 7, To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life. How many know that we have to be patient in continuing in doing good? Amen? God is good. And He's called you to a good work. His milk is good. His love is good. His faith is good. Everything that God does is good. When He made you, He said, you're very good. Look at your neighbor and say, you're very good. But He said, to them... Who by patient continuance. How many are going to continue? No matter what. No matter what comes your way. No matter what obstacle is before you. No matter what challenge lies in front of you. No matter what mountain stands in your way. You're going to buy by patient continuance. Did you know if you're patient... And the devil is impatient, and he is. You cannot last him. You cannot last him. The devil is not equipped to last. I mean, he fizzled out of heaven. He couldn't even handle heaven. Think about that. He got kicked out of heaven. He couldn't handle heaven. He can't handle heaven. Patient continuance... In well-doing or doing good, you seek the glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. Go to Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. This is, this is, I came up with a new word. It's called undisappointable. God gave you a hope that's undisappointable. It won't let you down. It won't disappoint you. It won't fail you. It's undisappointable. Hey, if God can create, so can I. Listen to this, starting with verse 1, Romans 5. Therefore, being justified by faith. Did you know that you were just as if you never sinned? You have been made righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Being justified by what? By good works? By buying your way in? How are you justified? By what? By faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also... We have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and notice this next phrase, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. How many expect the glory of God? See, hope really is expectation. Hope is dealing with the unseen. But you're expecting it to come to you. You're anticipating it to come to you. You're waiting for it to come to you. That's what it means. So, hope is not sad. Hope rejoices. Notice, rejoicing in hope. I haven't seen it yet, but I know it's on its way. Amen? Say, my miracle is on its way. Say, my supply is on its way. Why? You're expecting it. You know it's coming. You know it's already yours. It's like going to the airport and looking at the screens. They have two categories, arrivals and departures. And if you're at the airport and you're waiting for someone to arrive, you know that they've got a ticket. You know that they're on the plane. 
And you're at the airport waiting to receive them. You're in hope. You're hoping to see them. You're hoping to see them walk off the plane. You can't go to the gate, but you can. they can come to the area. Amen? But that's hope. You're expecting them. You know what time. You know what gate. You, you, they even tell you updates. On time or late. So, rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Now, do we do that? Do we glory in tribulations? We might do some other things in tribulations. But we should, as people of God, be glorying. What does it mean to glory in tribulation? It means you're focused on God and not the tribulation. It means you're in an attitude of praise, not of complaints. It means your outlook is up, not down. So we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation works patience. Uh-oh. Sometimes we cut patience... We, we let patience off early and it doesn't get to finish its work. See, tribulation or trouble works patience. And patience, experience. And experience what? What's the end result? Hope. Hope. Verse 5. And hope makes not ashamed. It's undisappointable. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Hope will not cause, will not bring shame. It will not discredit you. When you're hoping for something, you're not in shame. It will not bring shame. It will not disappoint. It will not let you down. Hope is to anticipate or welcome. It's, a, it's an expectation of what is sure. So, trouble leads to perseverance, which leads to character, which leads to hope. Sometimes, it's a, it's a little bit of a journey to get into hope. You've got to go through trouble and perseverance to get to hope. And it's all about our attitude when those things happen. Why doesn't hope disappoint? Because it brings the love of God, which is shed abroad in our hearts. Amen? So, hope actually brings you into God's favor. Hope means you're confidently and joyfully looking forward to sharing God's glory. How many want to share? Did you know, according to 2 Peter chapter 1, that God made you a partaker of His glory? Of His nature? When Moses went into the tabernacle, what told the people that God was there? His glory showed up. The people saw the fire. Moses would enter the tent and the fire would descend. Everybody would stand at their entrance of their tents and they'd watch until that glory settled in their Then they knew that Moses was talking with God. It was the same glory that was on the mountain. It was the same glory that uh, the disciples saw on the Mount of Transfiguration. It was the visible presence of God with all of its majesty, all of its splendor and all of its power God wants you to share in that Hallelujah Go to Romans chapter 15 Romans chapter 15 Hallelujah Glory to God Oh we serve a good God don't we? Romans 15 
No, let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Hallelujah. Hope is always associated with patience. Patience has to do with stuff that you can't control. And you know, patience is not something that we can necessarily pray for. It just kind of happens. When you fall into diverse trials and temptations, let patience have a perfect word. That's what James tells us. Right? So, patience shows up when the pressure's on. When the, when the heat is on. Patience will begin to manifest and you'll, you'll see how much fruit of patience you're producing in your life. If there's a shortfall or no, or no bridge. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 3 to 7. We are bound to thank God always for you brethren as it is me because that your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all toward each other abounds. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all persecutions and tribulations that you what? Endure. You know, did not Jesus tell us that in this world you will have trouble? Jesus never said, when you get born again, it's going to be a bed of roses. (laughs) It's going to be so beautiful, you're just going to walk like... You're walking on the clouds. Never said that. In this world, you will have trouble, tribulation. But, be of good cheer. So, we can expect to go through trouble with good cheer. Trouble doesn't have to get you down unless you let it. Trouble doesn't have to spoil your milk unless you let it. What do I mean by that? You know, trouble sometimes can affect your attitude. It, it's, sometimes trouble can be an opportunity for you to get into the flesh. And guess what? We all have that opportunity because we live in a flesh body. Our bodies have not been regenerated yet. They will be one day. That's that's what we're hoping for. Amen? We're expecting that. It hasn't come yet, but we know it's it's in the works. So, they glory for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Verse 5. Which is manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. You know, God counts people who suffer with hope, because with hope you endure, you come out, you don't stay suffering. It's only for a short period of time, because you know there's something better on the other side. The cross was Jesus' suffering, but that was only a short time, because he knew after the cross was a resurrection. So he could boldly go to the cross, experiencing all the pain, everything that was thrown against him on the cross, for the, the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him. Did you know Jesus went to the cross hoping in the resurrection? And the hope of the resurrection caused him to endure the cross. If Jesus can endure the cross, you can endure your trouble because they don't compare. No man's trouble will ever compare to the cross that Jesus went through. So if you think you're having a bad day, just think of the crucifixion. When every, just about every one of Jesus' disciples left except for John who was taking care of his mother. No other disciple was at the cross. People were, he was hung 
between heaven and earth, and people were spitting on him and mocking him and telling him to come down, and he, he had suffered beating and whipping and, and to the nth degree. But all he went through that with hope. He went through that with expectancy because he knew that the resurrection was far greater than the crucifixion. And when he was resurrected, he didn't talk about the crucifixion much. The only time he mentioned it is when he allowed Thomas to touch his wounds. Or his scars, I should say. Well, I guess they were wounds too. Hallelujah. Go to Acts chapter 2. You know, I want people to remember your patience, your patience and hope. You need to be known for someone who works by faith, labors in love, and has patience of hope. You're constant. You're continual. You're carrying on. You're unrelenting. You're not. You're unwavering. You're standing strong, no matter what you face. Three Hebrews, yeah, go ahead, throw us in. We're still not going to bow. I don't care what you throw at us. We're not going to compromise. We are unwavering. We are unrelenting because we know our God. They put all of their hope in God and hope did not disappoint them. Hope brought them through the fire. They were literally thrown into the furnace. I mean, a furnace is hot. Why do you guys turn it seven times hotter? Hot is hot. I mean, the guys who threw them in were barbecued to crisps. But see, those three had hope. And they faced the furnace with hope. And they experienced the glory of God. God got in the fire with them. See, when you face something with hope, God joins with you in your suffering. They came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. I get around the fire and I smell like smoke. They were in the fire and they didn't even smell like smoke. Their hair wasn't even singed. Nothing, the fire could not affect them. Their hope was greater than the fire. Acts chapter 2, verse 26. Peter was quoting David. And he said, therefore did my heart rejoice. And my tongue was glad, moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. Listen, when you're a hopeful person, you're a joyful person. Y'all didn't get that, did you? When you're hopeful, you're joyful. Let me read that again. My heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Say rejoice and glad. That's what hope does. How do you know if you're in hope? You're rejoicing and you're glad. You get in the longest line at Walmart and you're rejoicing and you're glad. You get behind the Sunday driver on a Friday night, you're rejoicing and you're glad. You go to McDonald's and you wait 15 minutes, you're rejoicing and you're glad. Amen? If we lack in rejoicing, we lack in hope. Rejoicing and hope go together. You remember the guy in Acts 3 at the gate, beautiful? Now Peter and John, they weren't, it wasn't too long ago that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in fire, right? And they come to the temple at the hour of prayer. They were going to church to pray. And there was this man there who was lame from birth. Right? And Peter got something. The Holy Spirit was working, and Peter came up to him and said, Look at me. Now, this guy, when you tell a beggar to look at you, he's expecting some money. Amen? So, the Bible says he was expecting something from him. That's hope. And what did Peter say? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, 
I give to you. Rise up and walk. He took him by the hand. And he pulled him up. And from the time he spoke, took his hand and pulled him up, strength came to his legs. And he was leaping and rejoicing and praising God. And he went to church. He didn't just get to... For the, that was the first day that he didn't have to stay outside the church. He got to go inside the church and walk himself. But that's hope. Verse 27. Why is his heart rejoicing and why is his tongue glad? Because you will not leave my soul in hell. Who can you say amen? amen. Jesus knew he was going to be left in hell. Hallelujah. This is a quote that David prophesied about Jesus. You shall make me full, neither will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. I mean, his body didn't even fully decay by the time he got out. Why, why did a rich man give him his tomb? Because he was only going to be there for three days, so he didn't have to buy one. He could only use it for a couple days, amen? Verse 28, you have made known to me the ways of life. You shall make me full of joy with your countenance. How many know you can just be full of joy knowing that God's looking at you? Knowing that his face is shining on you. Say, God's for me, not against me. Say, God is for me, not against me. Say, if God's for me, no one can be against me. You've got to see yourself a winner. You've got to see yourself a champion. Why? He made you a champion. Jesus made you a champion. We're like him. We're made in his image now. We're recreated in his image and in his likeness. Go to Acts 24. Acts 24. And verses 14 and 15. What are we talking about? The patience of hope. Listen, don't let the world get you down and don't let the world steal your joy. It didn't give you your joy in the first place. How do you overcome evil? With good. Overcome evil with... Amen? We overcome evil with good. Hallelujah. You just stay with Christ. Don't get in the flesh. Acts 24, verses 14 and 15. But this I confess unto you, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law of the prophets, and have hope towards God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust, so someone who is in hope, they believe all things that are written in the law and in the prophets. Amen? If you want to strengthen your hope, you've got to go to the Word. The Word, you, you find hope by believing what's written and in the prophets. Amen? And we know Abraham... When it looked hopeless, I like what the International Standard Version says of Romans 4.18. Romans 4.18 in the International Standard Version, it says, Hoping in spite of hopeless circumstances. Can you imagine your circumstances are hopeless, but you're finding hope? How can you hope when your circumstances are hopeless? Because you're looking to the hoper. You're looking to the one who made hope. You're looking to Jesus. You're not looking at your circumstances. Yeah, your circumstances may be hopeless, but there's one who I can always get hope in. His name is Jesus. And if I look to him, I'm not going to lose my hopeless. In, in spite of the hopeless situation, I'm going to overcome. He says, hoping in spite of hopeless circumstances, he believed that he would become the father of many nations. 
If you looked in the natural, Abraham and Sarah could not have kids. She couldn't have kids when she was 60, let alone when she was 90. But yet, they held on to the hope, in spite of their physical limitation, in spite of what they couldn't have for years, in spite of what people said, in spite of the opinions of others, Abraham, in hope, believed in hope. He believed God. He believed. He overcame his hopeful circumstances. Hallelujah. Hoping in spite of hopeless circumstances. Look at your neighbor and say, it ain't over yet. Ain't over yet. So stay in the game. Don't quit. Don't exit early. He became the father of many nations just as he had been told. This is how many descendants you will have. Go to Luke 21. And I'm almost done. Luke 21. Luke 21, verse 19. How do you always have hope? He tells us right here. In your patience, possess your souls. Everybody say, possess your souls. You've got to get a control of your soul. If you're focusing on the circumstances... The circumstances have control of your soul. With patience, you possess your soul. Your soul is what? Your mind, will, and emotions. How could Jesus not revile when he was being reviled? Because he possessed his soul. His patience possessed his soul. How could Jesus... When the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery and they're pressuring him. The law says this, Jesus, what are you going to do? The law says this, what are you going to do? 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 He's writing in the sand. He is not giving in to their pressure. Why? He's possessing his soul with his patience. What's he waiting for? He's waiting to see what the Holy Ghost says. How many know the Bible says, be swift to hear and slow to what? Be swift to hear, slow to speak. Why should you be slow to speak? Because you're possessing your soul. Why? If you speak too quickly, you might say the wrong thing. Possessing your soul, isn't that a fruit? It's called temperance. <gasps> self-control. Everybody say self-control. Self-control. Uh-oh. Nobody's... In, Nobody else is in charge of controlling you but you. But with patience, you've got to possess your soul. So Jesus, he didn't respond to the pressure. What did the Holy Ghost say? The Holy Ghost said, tell him. Say, if anyone has sin, cast the first stone. So he said, if any of you want to throw the stone, if any of you without sin, cast the first stone. Thud, 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 thud. That was it. See, the Holy Ghost hit it right on the head like he always does. And if you take time to listen to him, you'll always respond correctly. Right? So, we have to have quiet, brave patience in all difficulty, perplexity, and danger. When I was lost in the New Zealand bush, I had to possess my soul. That happened to me. I was on a rafting trip and uh, we stopped and just a quick overview, stopped, set up camp, me and another guy, we were going to go up this mountain and meet on the other side. It sounded simple enough to me until I fell in the river. And then everywhere I looked, in every direction I looked, literally, it was the same exact scene. Bush, 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 bush. <laughs> there was no distinct natural marker. It was all green river. Green, 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 green. What do you do? You've got to possess your soul. 
I made it back to camp when it was dark at 9.30 at night. And I got to take a hot bath, by the way, because there was, there was a hot spring, and someone had dropped a, a plastic tub by a helicopter, and I got to take a hot bath. Can you say amen? See, when you possess your soul, God will bless you. True story. So let me, so let me ask you some questions before we close. Will you continue to trust God no matter what? I don't care how much the enemy rages. Will you trust God no matter what? You've you got to trust in something greater. Amen? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. So will you continue to trust God no matter what? Will you give in to the pressure to quit even when it's most intense? Well, believe me, I've faced some intense moments in the last 18 years, 17 years. Yeah, 18. By the way, this September 22nd is going to be our 18th year here. Amen? We have been, we have been the longest pastors of VCF. From the founder to the person who took it after the founder. We have been the longest sitting pastors here at this church. Amen. Yes. Why? Because we possessed our soul and we refused to quit. Amen. Amen? And the devil can't make us quit. He tried, believe me. <laughs> Will you stand, confess, believe, and stay true no matter what the circumstances are? Jairus comes to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, my daughter's dead, lies near death. Would you come? Yes, I'll come. We're on our way to Jairus' house. But then they're almost there. They get the news. Your daughter's dead. Don't trouble the master anymore. Do not fear. He had to possess his soul. He had to keep the hope that he had in the beginning of Jesus healing his daughter. And he did. Do you know when Jesus said, don't fear, Jairus didn't say anything else? That's how you silence fear. You don't proclaim it. When Jesus says, don't fear, you're just like, let's go. <laughs> right? And do you realize that Jesus did exactly what Jairus asked him to do? He touched his daughter. She got healed and he, she raised her, he raised her up. How about Jesus when he heard that Lazarus was sick? He waited four more days. How long was Lazarus dead by the time he got there? Four days. Why did he wait? Because the Holy Spirit said, don't go yet. But see, you, you can imagine the emotional pull. When a close friend dies, you want to go, right? But you've got to listen to the Holy Ghost. You can't deny that voice. And Jesus waited on purpose. But it was worth the wait because they got to see Lazarus walk out of the grave. That's what you call Martha and Mary got to see their hope become a reality. They were hoping that Jesus would do because they said if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. Right? Well, he didn't prevent him from dying, he just raised him up from death. Amen? How about the pressure that Jesus faced to get off the cross? If you're the Son of God, why don't you get off the cross? That was pressure. Pure pressure. But Jesus didn't respond to the pure pressure. He responded to the Father's voice and the Father's will. Will you look to God, His Word, His promises, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, or will you continue to look at your circumstances? Listen to feelings and rely on emotions or the rest in, or rest in the opinion of others who are not God's spokesmen. Which voice are you paying more attention to? If you listen to a voice that 
that doesn't agree with God, you're not going to have any hope. God is the God of all hope. Amen? Amen. I mean, he expected to give his son and he expected his son to return. Hallelujah. Alright. Hope inspires fortitude, strength in the Lord Jesus. How many want to be strong? Hope inspires strength. Hope maintains the highest expectation for the return of Jesus. How many know Jesus is coming back? And because he's coming back, our lifestyle reflects our hope in that. We're not going to live like the devil. We're going to live like Jesus because that's what he would want us to do. Amen? He's going to find some stewards that are doing what the master told them to do. That's what we are. We're the good stewards. That's what hope is. See, when you're in hope, you're, you're going to purify your life. You're not just going to live haphazard. Amen? You're going to tighten up the ship. Right? You're going to batten down the hatches. And you're not just going to run wild and do what you want to do. You're going to do what God wants you to do. That's what hope would do. Amen? Hope is endurance amid trials and discouragements. It is being steadfast, still, and safe. How many have ever been discouraged? Did you know that discouragement is only temporary? It's not meant to... It's just meant to trip you up. But if you get up, you've overcome discouragement right there. Amen? Discouragement is temporary. It's a minor thing. Just a couple more and I'm done. A hope is content to wait for the things unseen. The same way that you feel when you order a pizza that's delivered. That's hope. You get off the phone. You tell the, you tell the pizza place what you want. You get off the phone. What do you do? You start getting out the plates. You start getting your money ready. How much tip are you going to give them? Right? You get that all ready. Why? Because you're expecting that pizza to come. And that's what we have to be. Through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. We're expecting that what God said is coming to pass in my life. And I don't care what you say, I don't care what you say, and I don't care what I say, I care what God says. And I'm not moving from that truth, no matter what, because I'm hoping in that. And when I hope in that, it will come to pass, because hope doesn't disappoint. Hope always shows up. Hope always accomplishes the task. Hope always helps you reach your destination. Amen? Hope. A patience in hope is worth remembering. So let's be a people of hope. What are you hoping for? Are you hoping for more finances? Are you hoping to be debt free? Well, I hope this corona ain't going to get me. Listen, that corona can't get you. Amen? I don't deny that corona exists. I deny its existence in me. If it tries to come near me, I will fight it tooth and nail and it will lose. Amen? Why? If corona comes by his stripes, I'm healed. See you, sucker. You fight it with the word of God. Patience and hope. What are you hoping for? What do you need? What do you want to happen in your life? Where, 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 what are you hoping for in your spiritual walk with God? Are you just hoping to barely get along? Or are you wanting to excel and increase in the knowledge of God and grow in the knowledge of God? What are you hoping for? Amen? Your hope and faith in God will make your hope a reality. Abraham hoped to be a father. He became one. Jacob hoped to be clothed and fed and come back and say, come back in peace. And it happened. Peter hoped to fish for men. And it happened. Amen? Let's stand to our feet.
There's a refreshing flow of hope that's coming from heaven right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God wants to strengthen your hope. When your hope is strong, Jesus stands right by your side. Amen? He's here to strengthen you, to comfort you, to lift you up. Some of you need to be lifted up tonight. If things in life have got you down, and you've been feeling it, your tendency has been to give in to it, I want you to step out into the aisle right now. And you're going to experience freedom. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.